in September, almost a year ago, the staff and I went to a, we take a staff retreat every year and we take it for a week and we plan the whole next year. And one of the things we come up with is this theme. And the theme for this year was devoted. And all year long, we've been talking about what are you devoted to? Because what you're devoted to will determine what you end up doing, right? And we're looking at all kinds of things that we just got done with the series on devoted families and what it looks like and what kind of home do we want and how are we going to handle that. And, and um, one, of those, one of these things that I want to talk about that will determine your future is this, the power of your agreements. Are you devoted to agreement? And, and you say, okay, I, peop, there are a couple of people asking, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I said, agreements. And they looked at me cross-eyed almost, think, well, what does that have to do with anything like agreements? Do you know what you put your agreements with, where you're in agreement with, has already determined your future? That if you're right now in a place of disorder and chaos and brokenness, it's because you agreed with it years ago, and those agreements have the power to determine your future. This is a very basic principle. There are creational principles, and this is such a true thing. As we're going through creation, one of the things I've noticed, God created the earth with laws that govern the earth. Laws, not theories, laws govern the earth. There are a whole lot of theories out there, but in the end, laws are proven. You can prove that gravity is the law of gravity. God created, and there are laws in life that God has created in our life. Sowing and is a law. It just happens. But we don't always live with the mentality that that's going to happen. In fact, we hope it doesn't sometimes. Right? You, you sold that car knowing it was going to break down 20 miles down the road, but you got your money. Guess what? That wheel of reaping's coming around, but when it comes around, it won't come around just one car. It's going to come around with a lot of cars because you always reap more than you sow. One seed produces many. See, the we, but, but if you turn that on in and say, I'm going to do the right thing, I'm going to sow the right thing, you can know that you're going to reap what? The right, right? So there's laws that happen. One of those laws are agreement and what we're putting our agreement to. Why is it so important? Well, we, we, uh, we, we, just, I fin- we finished filming the small group campaign in the fall, which is called Legends. And we're talking about obscure legends in the fall. And so if you're not in a small group, you want to be in a small group because it's going to be powerful this year. But one of the stories uh, was the Gibeonites, and that Joshua had just come into the promised land, and uh, they were defeating their enemies, and one of those people in the land came to Joshua because they knew they would be defeated. So they devised the plan to deceive Joshua. So they come to Joshua, and they say, hey, Joshua, we've come from a faraway land. They had bread, and they said, we cooked this bread when we left, and look, now it's moldy. Me, try, trying to deceive Joshua that they had come from a long way away when they had only come from a short distance. And Joshua did not pray, did not ask God, entered into agreement with the Gibeonites, right? They made them slaves, but they could not destroy the Gibeonites. Now listen, years later, Saul, King Saul, in his zeal for Israel, killed Gibeonites, 
because he's like, we should have destroyed them. He broke the treaty, the agreement they had, and killed them. Then after Saul is passed, King David is, is ruling, and there's a drought in the land. And David says, wait a minute, this drought is, is unusual. It's not normal. There must be something. And he goes to God, and he asks, God, why are we having a drought in the land? And God says, it's because Saul killed the Gibeonites, and you broke your agreement. What? That's how, that's how serious God takes your agreements that you're making, the agreements that you have. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible when you, when you read it. And, and so when we look in agreement, agreement in the Greek means some, pheno, some phoneo. Phoneo means to do something in cooperation with someone or something else, and some means sound. It means Literally, it means this, symphony, symphony. Different sounds working together to create something beautiful and pleasant. Beautiful and pleasant. How many have ever been to a fifth grade band concert? (laughs) Right? Is there anything more torturous? (laughs) Oh, there is one. It's called (laughs) T-ball. Oh, man, right? I'm glad. There's many things I wish I could have with my kids again. Those are not moments I would like to relive. Um, But fifth grade band concert, right? And it's funny because they were in sports, and we made them all go into sports. They didn't have a choice, and we made them all go into something musical. They didn't have a choice. So McKinsey chose choir and uh, and about 10 different sports. Um, And the twins, they they picked a sport, but they picked band. And so Bianca was a sax player and and Bailey a flute player. And, and, And in fact... Uh, you know, how many parents know this in the choir when Mackenzie was singing? I say, honey, I could hear you. Out of 100 voices, I could hear your voice. You could not, Dad. I said, I could. I can tell your voice. My ears t- tuned to your voice. How many know that's probably true? You were expecting me to say not true, but I could hear her voice, right? But so Bailey, uh, I buy her food. And I said, honey, you did so good. She goes, Dad, I wasn't even playing, I was pretending. <laughs> I go, you mean I bought you a $400 flute for you to pretend I was not very happy, right? But, but they get in there, and they're, and I mean, there's, it's, hor- it's horrible. I, I mean, at one point, I had to get up and walk around because I couldn't handle it. It was just so bad. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, you, you, you weren't walking around, but you, and, and you dread when people ask you to come to their fifth grade band concert, right? But eventually, because everybody's just, they're worried about playing their instrument, and I got to play it, and I'm not playing it well, but I'm going to play my instrument. But at some point, you're not thinking about the rest of the band, right? At some point, hopefully in high school, you start to realize that I got to, you play better, but it's just really you, and then you kind of progress to the point where you get into a symphony, and you realize in that moment, if you ever get to the place of playing in a symphony, that I am not just playing my instrument, where in instrument. And it doesn't matter, you know, you know, in high school you want to be the first chair and you're in the second chair and so you're trying to play the first chair to prove you deserve it. At some point in the symphony you realize this is my role. I'm content in my role and I'm going to do what I have to do to play with people. It doesn't mean we change our differences. In fact, in, when we come to a symphony in a place, your differences are important. There's just a time for your differences. There's a time and a place for that. You know, marriage, 
takes 30 minutes to go through a ceremony, five minutes maybe to do the vows, but it takes 20, 10 to 20 years to come into agreement. Right? And even if you can get it done in 10 to 20 years, some of you have been married 50 and saying, we still don't agree on anything. <laughs> right? But we need agreement to build anything in life, home, business, church, community, and it's going to take maturity, it's going to take focus, it's going to take commitment, it's going to take the Holy Ghost. Here's the point of wisdom, and I want you to get this. Uh, we always think we are right, and those who disagree with us are wrong. You know, we always say, they always think they're right. And so do you. Because <laughs> if you didn't think you were right and you believed it, we're all looking at you going, what's your problem? Like, are you insane or something? You always think you're right. Here's where we all need to come to. We need to stop and consider, I could be wrong. You know, in your marriage, you have to stop and consider that you, come, you need to leave room that you could be wrong. Whether it's your marriage, your workplace, you've got to leave room that you could be wrong. And be open to that because it's the thing that can really hurt unity. You know, uh, there are four agreements that will determine your future. Four agreements that are going to determine future. I'm going to talk about those four agreements. But there's something, you know, I've noticed, especially over the last few weeks, the American church is extremely, has become extremely fatalistic. It's true. We have, we have literally come to the point, if it is God's will, it'll be done. And that's not true. We have literally just stepped back and we've said, you know what? Uh, if it happens, whatever happens, happens. We, we think that if God wants to do it, it's going to do it. Whether I pray or not, he's going to do it. Whether or not I believe or not, whether I declare or not. Like we have become so lazy in our walk that we just think God's going to do whatever he wants. When I pray, just whatever he wants is going to do. So I'm not going to do any of it. And we've abandoned, I mean, the, it, as a whole, the church has walked away from reading the word of God. They've walked away from praying. They've walked away from believing. We went from believing in faith and standing from the faith culture to to the, to the culture of nothing. And, and we think it's just going to happen. Whatever will be, will be. There's nothing that I can do. I sure hope it happens. And we sit here, and some of you are sitting here thinking to yourself, you're thinking, well, isn't that the case? No, it's not. God's will doesn't just happen. God desires for things to take place, but he needs us to participate with him in it by beginning to believe his word and declare it into our situations, right? You know, there's the scriptures that call things that are not as though they are. He takes and gives beauty for ashes. You're the head and not the... I will give you life and it abundantly. He will do exceedingly abundantly more than anything you could ask or even... Imagine, but you've got to enter in. You can do all things through Christ. You have to start going to the Word and declaring it into your situation. In this series of creation, one of the things that I've noticed, and it's incredible, is this fact. 
And, and whether you believe it or not, science disagrees with you, okay? Science says, and physics says, that at the very core and foundation, the, the most minimal place of everything in creation is vibrations. It's vibrations. And I'm already getting into the creation series, and I shouldn't be doing that, <laughs> giving away the good stuff. It's vibrations, God's word. That literally everything, and God says this in the Bible, everything is held together by God's word. Isn't it funny? It already says that in the Bible before science was really a thing. They were talking about this 2,000 years ago. Jesus in John 1.1 says all things are held together by God's word. Right? So when you declare God's word to the vibrations that are creating the issues of life, They have to come into order. Are you with me? That's why it's so important to understand that things don't just happen if you're sitting in your chair. You got to stand up and you got to start speaking the truth to things. You got to declare things to that. That's why the word says, call things that are not as though they were. But see, we. Literally, during, I don't know, this pandemic or whatever happened, kind of like literally a greater pandemic is our loss of faith. We let fear come in. And you've heard me say this. The moment you let any fear in, fear of heights, fear of depths, fear of uh, darkness, fear, you let any fear into your life, and it will have babies. And before you know it, you will have all kinds of fear because fear believes in propagating. You have to guard it. So, so what are the agreements? Here, here are the agreements I'm going to get into. The first one is uh, our agreements with each other. Our agreements with each other. Um, how many know, parents, your greatest desire is your kids just get along, right? Uh, you, you just want them to get along right? They're fighting whether they're little kids in their back seat and you got the arm going, you just get along, you know, can you just get along, right? Every parent has said, can you just get along at some point? Or, or when they get older and they're fighting over who's going to whose place for Christmas. I mean, or, or what do we, you get, whose kids are the problem kids in the family? You know, you're, you're all right, just, would you just all get along, right? You bring in the in-laws. Well, I won't even bring it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm getting a new in-law. I got three. Uh, my daughters have chosen well, and one of them's getting married in a few weeks. And, but, but it's funny. You bring in someone, they have different ways of thinking, right? And they're not yours usually. <laughs> and, it, and it's funny how you, you have to work. You have to value unity. Yeah. Now, how many want God to answer your prayers, yeah. Right? How many, how many of, you, of you in this room would agree that if I asked you to do something to help me, that if you needed something and you asked me to do it, you would hope that I would return that favor? How many would say I agree? Raise your hand. I need you to raise your hand. How many agree? Because I'm looking. No, leave them raised. I'm looking for those who don't raise their hand because I'm going to ask you to help me because you won't ask me to do <laughs> something in return. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so you wouldn't, you would, you would, so we ask God to answer our prayers, and I guarantee you, we've asked him for many more things than just one thing. Would you agree? How many say more than 10? How many say more than 100? Do you know God 
Jesus, who came in the flesh, God came in the flesh, called himself Jesus, prayed one prayer that only you can fulfill. How many would think he's only asked me to do one thing? I've asked him to do miraculously hundreds of things into my life. He's asked me to do one thing, and even that one thing, I, I often forget about. I'm answering his prayer whenever I do it. Look at John. Look at John. This is the prayer of Christ. My prayer, notice Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through his message. What he's talking about is this isn't for the people who are living and believe in me now. This is for everyone who will believe in me. Do you believe in him? Okay, then he's talking about you. Isn't it great? Jesus prayed for you, right? Believe in me through their message that all of them may be what? They, they get along. You know how many times I think Jesus is driving the car in his arms back there? Would you just get along? <laughs> right? Father, just as you, this is incredible. Don't miss this. Just as you in, are in me and I am in you, who's he talking about? The Trinity. Yeah. Father God, fa- God, or Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, three as one. He just said, I want them to get along like we get along. But I don't even like them that much. He said, you need to, whether you like them or not, you better learn to like them. You better learn to get along. He goes on. May they also be in us so that the world may believe. Look at this. May they also be in us so that the world may what? That Jesus is God. You can have all the arguments in the world that Jesus is God, but if the body of Christ will not shine in unity, it will not cause the world to believe he he is who he is. Your disunity is creating a problem. Look at this. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we, Trinity, are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to what? Complete unity. Offense. It's an incredible thing. And offense happens when you're insecure. The only way, if you've been offended, it's because you're insecure. You cannot be offended and be secure. I, somebody came to me and shared with me a, a while ago now, but they said, I'm just really offended by this person and what they did. And I said, really, let's take a look at what your insecurity is. They wanted me to go deal with the offender, and I said, the Lord put an offender in your life to reveal an insecurity I mean, sometimes it hurts. I get it, but an amen would be good. Like, I get it. Like, I'm hearing you. D- let me say it again. The offender in your life was put there by God to reveal the insecurity that's holding you back. 
Stop attacking the messenger God's bringing to reveal in you. I don't like it either when somebody offends me. But the moment I feel that offense, I realize there's something in me that's insecure. Because when I'm secure, it doesn't matter what you say to me. I'm like, okay, whatever. Imagine what a pastor preacher would be like if, if, if you had the insecurity. Because there's always somebody in here who's going to hate what I'm saying right now. And they're going to tell me that was horrible. I like quit 20 years ago. Right? You have to be secure in who you are. And that's what God wants to bring you to is place of security. Because insecure people struggle to be unified. They're always competing with someone else. They're always, if somebody else, it was, somebody talked about how great they did with that. We get insecure. Then we get, we don't like them and we create division. And the enemy finds places of division and when we're insecure. And the people who should be the most secure in the world are believers. Because Christ took it all. Right? There's such a culture of disunity. I'll, I'll ask couples a lot of times, listen. Do you love each other? Yeah, we love each other. Okay, so then why aren't you getting along? Well, because they. And I said, that's the problem. Well, they're the greater problem. I said, actually, you are. The one who's pointing their fingers at them, the, the one who's turned it at them and said, okay, there's things in me I need to change in this marriage is the one who's doing better. The one who's pointing to the other is the problem. Because I realize that I'm struggling to come in agreement with this person. And you know what? The enemy is going to work against your marriage because he doesn't want you to be in agreement with each other because where two of you are gathered in his name, incredible things take place. So he keeps you divided so there's no, there's no power. So you have to make a decision what you want. Do you want control or do you want a great marriage? I don't think I was heard, so I'm going to say that again. Do you want control or do you want a great marriage? Do you want to have domination or do you want to accomplish incredible things? Do you want it your way or do you want to experience God's way? See, see, there's impossible and potential is available when people come into agreement. You look at Genesis chapter 11, and there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff in Genesis chapter 11 and in fact, one of them is when the people are coming together, they said, we need to build a tower so that we're not scattered, which is interesting because there's something there I'm going to find, right? But they're building the tower. The thing that drew the attention of God wasn't the fact that they were building a tower. It was the unity it took to build the tower. And God comes down and he sees this in Genesis chapter 11, and, he, and this is what he says. If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. You hear reports about how the church in America is beginning to literally die in America. It's not been on a trajectory of growth. It, could it be that we're reaping the effects of disunity in a culture of disunity in the church? It's more about being right. It's a more about setting up this thing where we're working against each other than working with each other. Is, is what's more important in your life? See, see, what God's saying, the most important thing I want you to work for, number one, I want you to work for, is I want you to work for unity first. Now, you say, Pastor, I don't believe that. I believe it's to love God. Actually, here, here's what he said when you use that, because I know where you're getting that. He said, love one another as I have loved you. 
Now, I want you to stop, because this is what we do when you hear a message like this. Because we have to come into agreement with each other. When we come into agreement with each other, we'll see incredible. But this is what happens. I'm good. But you're sitting on that side, and there's someone over there you don't like. And you think you're in agreement because you're in this room together. No, that, you know that's what communion is all about? In communion, when you take the bread, you know why we take the bread? It's a reminder that you're the body. And that if there's disunity in the body, before we take communion, we got to realize we're coming, into the bo- we're coming into Christ as his body, and there's no room for disunity in the body of Christ. And, and you have to deal with the offense and the hurt, the pain. you got to deal with it before you take communion or you take it in an unworthy manner. Because what is this about? How many, you know, how do you know you're a good Christian? Oh, I'm a great Christian. Well, how do you know? Well, I go to church. I don't drink, chew, and date girls who do. Right? It's a drink, smoke, chew, and don't date girls who do. Right? How many have heard? How do you determine whether you're a good believer? It's by the things I don't do. Rather, the Bible consistently talks about it's you determine you're a believer by the things you do do. Not the things I'm not doing. But the things I am doing, what is that? Raise the dead. (laughs) Any believers in here? (laughs) Cast out demons. Heal the sick. Unified. They shall be known by their love for one another. What are your agreements? Who are you agreement with? Agreement with each other. So you may not like it. And you know what the enemy does? This is what the enemy does. He gets you to say, because you disagree in certain areas and and you don't, the enemy causes you to, he brings justification for why it's okay to not get along with them. I'm, you're sitting here thinking, I'm just trying to remember what I'm saying. I'm actually stopping and pausing so the Holy Spirit can finish talking to you before I move on. Because there's people in your life God's bringing to your attention. You're going, nah, 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 nah. I don't hear it. I noticed pastor's wearing a suit jacket today. (laughs) Are you with me this morning? Right? Here's, Here's the next one. It's our agreement with God. So it's our agreement with each other. Here's the problem, though. They were in agreement with each other. They could do anything, but they weren't in agreement with God. They were doing their thing in agreement. It's incredible what we can do when we come into agreement with each other. Then we need to come personally. We need to come into agreement with God. We need to come into agreement with who he is that existed, that Jesus came to earth. We need to come to that place where we agree that he is who he says he is. We have to have that point in our life where we make the decision that God is not only existing, I want him to rule my life through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. You have to come to that point. This is really, before you can get to any, if it's going to change your future, it's going to change your future, you have to first say, I'm going to enter into an agreement with God. 
And the only way you can do that is through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the only way, the truth, and the life. I am, I'm the only way to God. So you got to enter into an agreement with him, believing that he is alive and well, that he sent his son to give me a way, a bridge to him, and that I'm going to live my life for him. And then you enter into that love. And then finally, and this is the big one, you come into agreement with his word. But if you don't, this is where we become fatalistic. We think that if his word exists, if his promises exist, they're going to just happen. That I don't need to come into agreement with his word. I don't need to accept his word. I don't need to declare his word that if it's there, like God's a good God, right? So if it's there, then I don't, I don't need to, 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 to do that. I, I, I just, it will just happen. And it will not just happen. If God's promised it in his word, the Bible's very clear. We enter into the word by declaring the word to the situation in my life. I'm coming into agreement. And that's what we do. L listen. If you want God to do a miracle in your marriage, you need to start agreeing with his word about your marriage. If you want to change your finances, you have to agree with his word. It's like this. Do you know that there are agreements that have been made that some people suffer from with their grandparents made an agreement that their great-grandkids are still paying the price of a curse. It's called the generational curse that goes from generation to generation to generation to the generation. And here's the reality. Jesus said, I have destroyed the curse at the cross. But we forget if you've not come into the agreement with Christ in the cross to God, you haven't broken any curse. You're still living in the generational curse of the past. And there's many times that we come into agreement with curses Christ has already paid for and broken. Oh yeah, Grandpa Donnie used to do that. Grandpa, Grandpa John, he used to get in accidents all the time and now I'm getting in accidents. Christ broke that curse at the cross. I don't need to, but what we've done is we've almost rebirthed agreements that they made and we've rebirthed them and, and the Bible says, no, that is not what you're in agreement. So without God's word, you, it is hard to come in agreement with God's word. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, so, so you come into agreement, unify with each other, then you need to come into unity with God and his word. That means I don't care what you think. If his word says it this way, then it's this way. You know, my, my uh, mom died when I was 15 of cancer. And, uh, and I take a very strong stand on healing. I believe God wants to heal. He does heal. He will heal, right? And, and, uh, and so uh, I'll make a statement. I'll say God's will is to heal your body. Okay, right. He said, somebody came up to me, this is seven, eight years ago, and said, in Richfield, and said, how can you believe that if your mother died of cancer? And I said, because my experiences do not determine God's word. I'm going to declare God's word. So my stepmother is sitting back here next to my dad. She was healed 27 years ago of pancreas cancer. 
and she's still there. She was supposed to be dead in three days, right? So I, I don't know what happened with my mother, and I don't care. I just know what the Word of God says, and that's what I'm going to declare in every situation. We have literally moved from this place of faith to this place of laziness where we don't just, we don't even get in the Word. In fact, most of the time, most Christians don't even know more than 10 promises that God has given them. No wonder we're living below the belt, below the, below the line. We, if we don't know His promises, how can we declare His promises? How can we have peace if we don't even know what His promises are? And then you attain peace when you start declaring those promises into the world or into your world. Like you begin speaking the word to the word. Like I said earlier, remember when I was talking about like everything's a vibration, the chair and everything's a vibration. You speak God's word to the word you take was out of order and His word puts it into order. Right? And you walk around with peace. You say, how can you walk around with peace? How can you walk around? Because I'm in agreement with God's word. And his word created everything, everything in the universe, and I'm in agreement with that word. Remember I said there are laws of creation? Some of those laws isn't just gravity. Just as you trust gravity, you can trust the laws of the word of God. They're not theories. Here, here's the third agreement that we enter into. Third agreement is our agreement with each other and with God. We, we need to come into agreement with each other. You know, the Tower of Babel, they were in agreement with each other, but they weren't in agreement with God. And God entered in and stopped what they were trying to do. But in Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came like a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole place where they were sitting. Then there appeared them divided tongues as fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. The language that caused to divide them was the thing God gave back to them on the day of Pentecost and said, Now we're going to build this together. Right? What, this is the verse that this whole message came out of. I wrote this whole message for this verse right here. Here it is in Matthew. It surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, again I say to you, he says, I say this to you all the time, and again I say to you, if two of you, that's two. Now in this world, I guess nobody knows what two is anymore. There is no truth. <laughs> right? I thought two plus two equaled four, but apparently not anymore. Uh, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, say it with me. It. Now, we did not do that in unity. We sounded like a fifth grade band. Loudly and together. It. If you have enough faith and if you're ready to struggle and really fast and do a lot of things, it's not in there. I'm just putting it in there because isn't that how we think? You know, how we approach this, that's a very simple verse. It says, when you come into unity with each other and you come into a unity with God, he will do it. He will do it. You know, you know, what's amazing to me is 
is we think we almost need to grovel to make him do it. It It's funny because Abraham, Abraham um, and Sarah, when the angel of the Lord came to Sarah, it says that the angel of the Lord said, you're going to have a child in a year. And Sarah was sitting, I always think for some reason she was doing dishes in the tent. I don't know why. I think a Sunday school teacher maybe told me that. So the, I always get this image that she's doing dishes when she's listening and on the conversation. And it says when he said, the angel of the Lord said that, Sarah chuckled. But she, what it says is she didn't laugh out loud. She laughed in her heart. And the angel of the Lord said, why is Sarah laughing? Because she knew in his heart she may have been in agreement on the outside, but she was in agreement in her heart. Some of you act in unity and agreement on the outside. You're nice and you're friendly, and you're, but in your heart, you're not. God knows. He hears. He hears it. But listen, a few chapters earlier, and you never hear this. The angel of the Lord came to Abraham and said, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham laughed out loud. Here's the thing. They were both in agreement that it wasn't going to happen. Because they looked at their circumstances and said, there's no way we can have a child. So they're both in agreement. And the entire time they were in agreement that it wasn't going to happen, it wasn't going to happen. The angel of the Lord had to come to them and say, I'm going to do it in the flesh to get them to start even dreaming again that it could happen. Some of you are saying our marriage is never going to be better. As long as you both agree on that, it won't ever get better. Is this an amazing thing? At some point in that year, Abraham and Sarah had to begin to think again, you know what? Maybe it will happen. And in their conversations, could it happen? Is it possible? What would that look like? And eventually to the point where they were able to conceive a child because their agreements had moved from being against God to coming into an agreement with God. And something incredibly supernatural happened. They came together. Your agreements and what happens when you come into agreement with each other. Here's the last one. And the promises of God are yea and amen, but our agreements with the enemy. Here's the fourth one, and it's the one where we come into agreement with the enemy. And this is, this is really the, the one lie. There's one lie. There's one lie. It's the first lie. It's the lie that God is holding out on you. It's the lie Satan told Eve and Adam that God's holding out on you. And it's the lie most of us believe in here. That when something doesn't happen, it's because God is holding back goodness from me. He's holding it back. So, so you say, well, pastor, I don't know how you can say that about me. See, here's what we do. When we want something to happen, we tend to grovel when we pray. We beg God, please, God. God, please do it. God, you can do it. God, please, please, pretty please. God, I'll do anything if you do this. I'll do anything if you do this. I'll go. We're begging God, a good God, to be God, good. Because our perception is, is God is like this. This is God. That God is holding on to the answer of our prayer. He's got it tight-fisted, and he's like, I only give it to my favorite kids. 
I ain't giving it to you unless you really work for it. Some of us have gone to the place where we prayed and we begged and we cried and it didn't get God to really do what we wanted, so we just stopped praying completely. Until you realize that God is like this. Eve was a perfect person in a perfect place. And Satan convinced her that God was holding back from... Imagine if you woke up every morning with this thought. God is going to give me everything I need and even want. He's going to fill my life with joy today. I'm excited to live. Because there ain't anything God has for me I'm not getting. Imagine if you woke up in the morning and the first thought you had, I can already say... I can already see this. You know, there's one commercial I hate more than any other. It's that stupid Chris Lindahl commercial with his arms. I hate it. I, hate, I said, I'll never buy a house from that person ever in my life because I hate that commercial, right? <laughs> right? It's just, it just annoys me, right? But imagine that God is sitting like that. You paste him on your ceiling, and there is God with his hands wide open saying, boy, I got some stuff for you today. Come and meet with me. See, we don't go into prayer to beg him to give us stuff. We go into prayer to have intimacy with him. He's already given you everything you need. And he will provide for everything you need. So that when you see things that, you, that need to be ordered, you declare the truth into that thing. So that's a lie. And I declare this truth. I declare this promise to that. Now let's go on with our conversation. Are you here this morning? You know, there's a, I'm going to finish on this and I have to be done, but the promises of God are yay and amen. The promises are the yay. You need people to be the amen. Right? The amen is agreement. Amen simply means, and why I want you to say amen is because it means, um, I just forgot what it means. It means, so be it. So be it. Thank you, uh, Amy. Good pastor's daughter there. She's, so be it, right? Here, here's the thing. In, the, in, in Nehemiah, Nehemiah is building the wall of Israel, right? And Tobiah and Sabalik come in, and they said, Nehemiah, come off the wall. They were being used to try to distract Nehemiah from building the wall. And Nehemiah wouldn't go there. Well, one time they go to Nehemiah, and they go, Nehemiah, meet us down in the valley of oh, no. That's what it is. Oh, no. The oh and no. Mean us in the valley. Oh, no. How many know there are times when you're going through something, you get a bad report, you get some, you don't need a card and you don't need condolences and you don't need somebody to tell you how bad they feel for you. You need somebody that steps up next to you and says, amen. I'm going to come into agreement with the word of God over your life and we're going to stand together and believe that his word is going to be fulfilled in your life. Because where two or three are gathered in his name, it's going to happen. Amen? But you get those people that come on, they say, hey, let's go to the valley of, oh no. You heard, God tells you to do something, oh yeah. And you come up and that friend comes up and you go, oh no, that ain't going to happen. Here's all the reasons why it can't. You need to face reality. No, what you need is somebody who knows how to come in an agreement with you.